Welcome to my podcast, Two Whiskies and a Cigar. I'm your host, Frankie Sabini. This podcast's sole purpose is to bring you knowledge, motivation and help within your chosen industry or sport. I'll be sitting down each week to talk to people who have either achieved a high level of success in business or sport and individuals who have amazing skills and experiences that the world needs to hear. My aim is to help as many people as I can by gaining insights from industry leaders and athletes. So please, pour yourself a whiskey, light a cigar, sit back and enjoy. Today we have Denise Mortimer. Denise is an NLP practitioner, positive psychologist and inspirational speaker. Denise was even named as Forbes Female Entrepreneur to Watch in 2018. Denise is co-author of a best-selling book, She Made It, she made it Happen, and wrote an e-book, 21 Days uh, to Happier Ways. Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to be here, Frankie. No, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, if you just want to give a bit of a backstory to how you sort of got into the world you got into, really, because I believe you come into it late, didn't you? Yeah, I've always been into, I've always been a people person and I've always been into kind of piercing into people's souls and being able to help them realize their potential without training and doing that. And I was working in the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK, and my daughter was working online. She was a digital or is a digital nomad. I was like, what is a digital nomad? I'm like, just get a job. And so <laughs> she said to me once, why don't you take your coaching online? I'm like, how do I do coaching online? And then she opened up a whole new world to me. So at 52 years old, uh, you know, five years ago now, she introduced me to a whole new world on mm. online. And it's just been amazing. That's incredible. So how long was you coaching before you went online then? I was actually coaching for, I learned, I started learning all about the coaching world in 1999 when it wasn't even really a thing. Mm. And I didn't know how to run a business. I wasn't brought up in an entrepreneurial family, so I didn't know how to run a business. And I would just be, I was like, I have all these skills. Do people just come to me now? Like, how, how, do, how do I even find anyone? So mm. I had all these skills, but I would use them in the workplace without realizing that I was actually coaching people. And then it seemed to evolve without me being a part of it. It seemed to evolve on its own, the whole coaching and personal development industry. And then suddenly there was a place for me to go where I could actually you know, use my skills and there was audiences yeah. now available for me. So obviously in the late 90s when it weren't that big, what what pushed you into doing like learning, learning that skill? Was it just something you was always interested in and you know, it's so interesting. My dad had books, always had books in his bedroom. And one was um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. And, oh, there was another one as well. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It escapes me at the moment. But I have a tattered copy of Think and Grow Like the pages are literally falling out. It must have been like an original edition of it. Yeah. And so that I was kind of surrounded by books like that. Like my father had a book called uh, How to Rob a Bank Without a Gun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from an Italian-American fan, you know, probably wrong more truly. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of brought up with those kind of books yeah. surrounding me. And then when I got divorced, it was 1998, 1999, when I got divorced, 
and I was introduced to the book Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins mm. and it changed my life and I, I know it sounds ridiculous but I was coming up to 30 years old and it was the first time in my life that I realized that I could think for myself like reading that book I was just like, oh my God, other people think like me and I have permission to think for myself. I never realized, I never realized how much influence I'd had in my life up to that point. And obviously we've got a mutual friend in Will Polston. Yes. Um, and we've, well, we've got more mutuals than Will, yeah. <laughs> but Will always talks about like a, a light bulb moment, like a, a lightning moment where mm. it sort of just strikes and hits you. So that pretty much reading that book was your... Your moment, wasn't it? Was it? A big, it was a big turning point, and that, that book has remained a, a firm favorite. It's To be honest, I do a lot of, I'm going to lie, I'm going to say I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of listening. Or I've almost given up reading because Audible is now yeah. available. So I do a lot of listening to books. And in the beginning, that was one of my all-time favorites, and I still hold it dear to my heart. But there are so many other books that have just completely taken over that one in terms of my favorite yeah. books on shifting shifting your paradigm shifting your reality changing what's possible so i i i think it's whatever book opens your eyes first and it could be any book is always going to be the sort of like the one what you hold dear yeah but for absolutely. me it's rich dad poor dad ah yeah that was like the the first mm. real book what i i read um actually no sorry i read uh champion by donald trump and then he recommended Rich Dad Poor Dad okay. in his book. Yeah. And then as soon as I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was like, that's like, it's incredible. Like, there's two ways of thinking, but you yes. don't ever think of it that way. Yeah. And then everything, so I, I, I come from like, uh, I used to be quite negative when I was younger. I wasn't the most positive person. My dad was, my mum wasn't, like, my mum was a worrier. My dad was like a very positive, everything will be right type yeah. of person. And I sort of followed my mum. And then when I started reading them books, I was like, yeah, this is the two ways of thinking. And this is why some people don't achieve everything yes. they want and some people do. It's just a mindset thing yes. rather than like being lucky, so to speak. So you literally had that in your parents that you could see those both points of view. Yeah. Wow. And, and I never actually realised it until I, I read that book. Mm. Um, like my, my old man's a businessman and a lot of, a lot of his own biz, like multiple businesses. Uh, we moved to Spain when I was like eight years of age. Uh, sorry, we moved to Spain when I was when I was born, pretty much, and come back when I was eight. And from them eight years, we just done whatever we wanted. Like we was financially free in terms where we just go out every night and eat. Yeah. My dad used to come back every few months, collect rent from his businesses, yeah. fly back out again. So I kind of got brought up with that. But then, cause my dad's a very like masculine man type thing it didn't really show love he's showing love was uh buying things for me yeah rather than showing up as a, as a kid mm. not always the way like obviously you want more the showing love type thing so i gravitate towards my mum so even though we had all these nice things and my mum but my mum was a warrior yeah so that sort of like it kind of like messed me up a bit because i was like well my mum's a warrior but we still got loads of nice things and yeah. i kind of like <laughs> program my brain to thinking yes. that yeah. Um, and then when I read that book, I was like, no, I was like, my dad's that other type person. And that's why we've got all these nice things. Yeah. And then my mum's not worrying on what she, she's come out of it as well, to be honest. That's but, pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. And, uh, but so obviously our other mutual, so your husband, Darren, I worked with for a few years. Son, George, um, owns one of my favourite restaurants of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, so I've always 
known about you and what you do and, and your type of work, what you do. And it's always just fascinated me because I'm so interested in it, but it's such a it's such a hard thing to be constantly always positive and motivated. Like even me now, I find it very hard to be positive and motivated all the time. But you you teach people like I think if I had clients come to me and I had a bad day, I'm not sure if I could like <laughs> switch it on and, and be positive again. Like, how does that work with you? It's first it's recognizing that it's not all about just being positive all the time. But it's about choosing to master your state. So like you were saying about your parents, you had the, the negative and the and the you know, these these two different influences, all of us have that that stereotype, that, that not stereotype, but that old thing of like the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. We're all, this, I say this to all my clients and some of them are parents of young children and I'm like, your parents are there to screw you up. <laughs> like they literally are there to screw you up. They're there to impose all of their limits on you because they can only share with you what their limits are. They can't take you beyond anything they've achieved themselves. Mm. So you grow up with that conditioning around you, and as you grow up, you then have a choice. Do I want to continue to feed this? And then when you start seeing evidence in the, other, in the big wide world that there's other ways to be, or do I want to create something new? And when you see someone else who's created something phenomenal, because they've created it, you can create it too. Yeah. And so you have a choice, not just every day, but literally every minute. Because people go, oh, I do a mindset practice in the morning. That's not even good enough. It's, it's constant. It's constant. It's when you're driving in the car and that thought comes through and you start feeding it. And you can think, no, actually, I'm not going to feed that thought. I'm choosing something different. I'm choosing something different. I want to choose a new outcome. And it's, making, it's consciously making that choice until that choice becomes unconscious and it becomes your normal. Because our natural thing is to default to where what we were conditioned to believe is true mm. and the things we're conditioned to believe is true is like we have nice things my dad earns money but my mother's a warrior and <laughs> and so we end up like trying to make sense of it all yeah yeah it's hard it, yeah it is hard um do you want to tell me a bit more about nlp because I, I i don't really know a lot about that is do you still practice it's it's a, it's a it's like a it's like a daily part of living NLP, when, when I studied it, I was like, oh my God, I already do this stuff. I naturally do it. It's like building rapport with people and it's, it's like matching and pacing. You ever get on a call with someone and their energy is really high and you suddenly go, oh yeah, hi, it's really good to speak to you. Or their energy is really low and you just drop to there. Yeah. We just naturally fall into line with people, especially when we're people who get people. Mm. So we naturally fall into line. So NLP is almost like, it's just... It's just looking at humans and understanding how to navigate yourself and how to navigate with them as well. And my first introduction to NLP was very much around sales and and like sales manipulation. So it almost had like it was almost like dirty to to talk about NLP as a sales tool because it was so it could be so manipulative. But actually, it's so it's just so powerful. It's like it's looking at like the, the neural part is about the pathways that we have, like the natural response, the conditioned responses that we have to things. Linguistic is about the language that we use, like spelling is called spelling because we literally cast spells with the words that we use, you know, spell, we see, mm. you know, when we say things, we bring that into 
bring that into reality, which is mm. why we have to be careful what we speak because we literally speak it into existence when we say it over and over and over and over again. It's like abracadabra, there you go. You got exactly yeah. what you wanted. So what I, I, I talk about this a lot on, on this podcast as well then and you kind of touched on it there, so going on a bit of a tangent now. But why is it when we certain things we say we attract certain things. So do, like, like, do you have a, a sort of a explanation on how that works? Like power positivity, but do you have an explanation on how that works or why you think that works? Yeah, because you can't, yeah. Um, this is, now, now you're getting into my territory. This is really <laughs> what I love. The last few years, my, my obsession has been, I kept hearing like, everything is energy, everything is energy. And I'm like, what does that really mean? What the hell does it really mean? Everything is energy. So starting, I'm just starting, I'm just scratching the surface of understanding what everything is energy means. And this is what I do with my hypnotherapy practice now. I was studying the law of attraction because I'm like, this seems like a really cool thing. Like you say something and it comes into your world. But it wasn't happening that easily for me. I'm like, okay, I want a Ferrari, but where is it? Where's my Ferrari? It wasn't turning up. So when I started doing my hypnotherapy, See, NLP deals with subconscious as well, but when I started my hypnotherapy, we really started digging into the subconscious. And um, gosh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, subconscious, where was I just before that? So you, you're just scratching on the surface of the power positivity, so you're saying about... Ah, uh, yes, yes, and... yes. Okay, okay. So what I realized, right, when I started my business... I was just doing life coaching and I did really well, but I had acquired all these business skills. So then I started teaching business skills to people and I was with my clients. I'd be like, just do what I do and you'll get the same outcome. And they weren't getting the same outcome. And I'm like, why are they not getting the same outcome? And then when I started studying hypnotherapy more, I recognized that the everything is energy thing made more sense to me because here's the thing. This is the most important thing. If you don't know this, and if your listeners don't know this, this is the most important thing that every single person on the planet needs to know. And I swear, I'm not even like exaggerating. When we say we can't do something, and most people have an, an I can't somewhere along the way. There's, there's a limit that they put on themselves. I can't do this, can't do that. There will be a vibrational frequency, every emotion has a frequency to it. Every emotion vibrates at a certain frequency. Guilt and shame are the lowest human frequencies. They're, they're the lowest of the low. But many people, with, like if you, let's use a dieter, for example. I want to lose weight, but they just go and eat cake all the time. I want to do, or I want to get really fit, but they never go to the gym. I want to find love, but they keep going with toxic relationships. At a subconscious level, they will be vibrating with a frequency of guilt and shame. This is what I found with, I've had over 350 one-to-one -one clients, thousands of group-based clients. At the core of every single person is some level of guilt and shame. And when you, when you distill down and you get to what has caused, the root cause of that guilt and shame, and you release that, it's like a balloon that bursts and you can't go back to where you were. You release people from guilt and shame from the past and then they start vibrating at a higher frequency. And anything better than anything is better than guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Anything. So, so when when you say you want something but you don't get it, 
I'm fairly certain there'll be some level of guilt and shame behind that that needs to be released. But when you say you want it and you get it, you're attracting your because we're all we're magnetic to exactly what we want. Like we're always we're always creating our reality. We're always whether you've got a poor bank balance or a great bank balance or great health or whatever you've got is a reflection of your core frequency and your core frequency if you if you're not getting what you want is probably based in guilt and shame is that making sense no it is yeah yeah it's, it's really making sense um yeah 100 percent. it's just how do you work out if you're based in guilt and shame if you're constantly trying to be positive all the time though because you're constantly trying to be positive all the time. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> because, because our natural state is joy and ease. Our natural state is joy and ease. And if we're trying too hard, if we're pushing too hard, we're trying to mask something. Right. The problem is because it's subconscious, it's underneath your consciousness up to the age of seven years old, our minds are like sponges. We're in what's called theta brainwaves. So we're absorbing the world around us. It's the first time we experience things. It's the first time we feel scared or, or embarrassed or, you know, like say you drop a five pound note or something and your mother goes, you know, you stupid, you stupid boy. You may take that. You may literally take that with you your whole entire life. Oh my God, I'm bad with money. I'm so stupid. I can't be trusted with money. Like that moment in time, Mm. literally could define your future because that moment anything that you experience with a high level of emotion gets locked in so when you're when you're locking those things in up to seven years old they're becoming the blueprint for what you feed back to the world yeah so then the next time you go out with money you might not even have to have your mother say that because you're just going to remember i'm so stupid with money i'm so bad with money and then you just keep reciting that, repeating it, finding the evidence to prove it until you don't know anything else and you think that's the truth. So how do you, how do you <clears throat> then release the guilt and shame then? You go back to the core. Yeah. You go back to the root cause of it. And you reconnect with that feeling. And this is what we do under hypnosis. You go back to the root cause of that. You re experience the feeling again and then you uh, like I'll invite the client we look at okay this was the root cause what decision did you make at that time like under hypnosis you'll never disclose anything you don't want to disclose because your subconscious mind is there to protect you so when you do disclose something you can be pretty sure you're ready to clear that so when someone says you know they raise something where they identify the guilt and shame and they can look at the impact it's had on their life because that's part of the line of questioning. So how has this affected you? How is it showing up in your life? And I'll go, oh my God, it's so, it's so clear. It's like clear as, clear as day when you see how it's showing up in your life. And then I'll ask them the question, are you ready to let it go now? And so we do a little, it's almost a little ritual of like, okay, with the, with the agreement of every cell in your body, and as soon as you're ready, I want you to say, I'm ready to let this go. And they let, they, you literally can see the relief on their face mm. when they let go of that. And then we move into a whole new transformation from that point. It's like such a magical turning point in people's lives. Yeah. I mean, I feel like just talking to you. So I can imagine. 
I can imagine it's uh, yeah, it's an experience. I, I think, as you said, it takes a lot for people to realise they're in that state of mind, though. Like they they might the being a negative, what I feel like a lot of people are, but then for them to that then actually reach out and go right, this is something what I need to change, or I have identified that I need to change this. Yes. That's a, that's another step in itself, isn't it? Like, like massive to get to that point in itself is something what somebody's I suppose got to come to on their own. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there are people. People will have one of these hypnotherapy sessions with me because literally it's like one session that just like just it's like life changing. Mm. And then they'll be like. I'm going to buy, can I buy a session for my husband? Can I buy a session for my best friend? Can I buy a session for my sister? And I'm like, with their permission, don't gift it to them without their permission because that person has to be like, hell yeah, yeah. hell yeah, I'm ready for this because that's part of it as well. And what I find, Frankie, is that when people come to me with a hell yeah attitude, the healing is already started because they already know there's something on the other side that and they've seen the evidence of it in their yeah. loved ones or you know in previous clients of mine or something so can't help someone who don't want to be helped yeah absolutely absolutely and when i first started my business i you know i think it's a, a thing for all new business owners that uh, especially in my line of work that i would be feeling like i needed to convince people of the value that and, and now i'm like no, I've, I do magic. <laughs> like, I literally feel like it's magic because I'm changing people. I'm not changing people. I wouldn't take that credit. Um, I'm facilitating an, a massive change, like probably the biggest. It's almost for people that there's life before and then there's life after you experience that level of change. And it's ongoing. Like, the life after, it doesn't mean it's one and done. It doesn't mean, like, you're never going to need another kind of healing session or something along those lines but it is a case of this is what life was before like that you know this is what like and then this is what life is like after that because it's it's such a profound shift i have people my oldest client was 74 years old and she was holding on to a lifetime of shame of not believing she was good enough that's another core thing for people they don't believe they're good enough so they're always trying to prove themselves but this woman, 74 years old, someone I used to work with, she came to me and her mother used to, her mother was, I, I guess I would describe as a narcissist. And she used to tell her her whole life from a little girl up to adulthood, um, nobody really likes you, but uh, you're good. You're good enough for me, but nobody else really. So she didn't believe anybody liked her. And then we had the session and she called me up the next day and she's like, you never believe what I did. And I'm like, well, she said, I went to my neighbors for a cup of tea. That doesn't sound like a big deal. She grew up believing nobody ever liked her. And then suddenly she felt like she could go and actually have a friend. Mm -hmm. She's like, this is like the biggest breakthrough of my life. It's 74 years old. What a shame. Like how like, lonely up until that point that she didn't meet you 20, 30, 40 years earlier. And this is what gets me because I'm like, people will dance on the edge of wanting to explore what's there here's an interesting one i had a lady who said to me like under the hypnosis when I, you know are you ready to give this up now and she said to me i don't know who i'd be without this i don't know if i'm ready to give it up so i said well 
want you are you willing to try it for a week and she said yeah yeah I'll try it for I'll try this new thing for a week and when we checked back in a week she's like I don't want it back I don't want it back <laughs> because people don't know who they're going to be they're like who am I going to be if I if I suddenly think I'm good enough if I'm suddenly not pandering to other people if I'm suddenly not in competition yeah. with other people it, yeah it's a scary thought because as you said that's your whole identity isn't it mm. that's you, you you are that person that's what's got you where you are you might have hit a ceiling there, but you're kind of comfortable with that ceiling because you know that's who you are. Yes. So I suppose as soon as you, like anything, you break through that ceiling or you break through anything really, it's, it's a, get, or if you, you go to an interview, it's scary. Like you don't know what's on the other side yes. of, of anything, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can, I can imagine. So um, I've got a friend who's, who's a, uh, a cage fighter and a just turned pro boxer. And he was exactly the same. He suffered a lot from, he's been on the podcast so, and he said it on the podcast, but he suffers from addiction and everything like that. Yeah. And his way of coping was if he was fighting somebody he knew he could beat, he wouldn't train and he'd go out and get drunk and just be complacent. Yeah. Because if he didn't beat that person he knew he could beat, that coping mechanism would be like, well, I, um, I, I, I didn't train hard enough. Whereas now he's going through the like changes of the like uh, AA and things like that, he's now broke through and he's like, well, it doesn't matter it matter because I am that person who can beat anybody, so I train yes. harder. So yeah. he like, said the same too, like he's broke through that door. Yeah. But he was scared to beforehand, mm. and I, I likened it to him because it's the only like sort of story I've got to liken it. But yeah, yeah, yeah you, you don't you don't never really think like, for me myself, I'm only sort of dipping my toe in like energies and and everything like that mm. at the moment. I was always brought up thinking, well, no, that like that can't be real. Like everything works how it works. It's scientific. Everything is three dimensional. Yeah. This, yeah. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of just started opening myself up to it, and it's amazing how, as you said, like as soon as you break through that barrier, so much more happens for you. Yes. Yeah. And as I just said what you you know you you were living in a world of what you see is what you get mm. and then it occurred to me to add the reality is what you feel is what you get yeah what you feel is what you get if you think things are going to go well they're going to go well if you think they're going to go horrible they, like whatever you feel like your feelings your feelings are your energy your vibrational frequency um mm. and that's going to dictate the quality of your life and that's not to say that you have to be what is now termed as in a po toxic positivity where you have to pretend to be happy. Even you can be on the most spiritual journey and still have really crappy days and have mm. clients that don't pay you and things that happen that you think, hang on, I'm supposed to be on a spiritual, spiritual journey here. Come on. <laughs> but, it, you know, you still have, we're still living in a three-dimensional world. I believe our, our role is to like, literally ascend like as we release the layers we literally become enlightened we move more towards the light because mm. we're leaving behind all the things that kept us stuck in this three-dimensional reality okay so here's what so do you so you know like the the crystals and the gems and yeah like, do you believe in that that holds energy and things like that yeah yeah the, yeah yeah absolutely and is that part of your sort of daily I have I have crystals, but I, I'm not a I'm you know I, I don't necessarily rely on them. I think mm. on the on the theme of enlightenment, I think everybody finds their route to enlightenment. So some people find it through crystals, and 
what I see is there's a lot of people who are enlightened beings. Like if you can imagine, there's almost like a, this row of people who are enlightened beings and they, they all have their own way of finding, like it's like a restaurant, you know, you mm -hmm. can go to various different restaurants. There's all different types of healing modalities. The other day I had something called bioresonance feedback and it's a healing process. It's a sound healing process. They use these things called tuning forks and it was so cool and I felt amazing afterwards. So guess what I'm going to be learning next? Yeah. <laughs> because it was so freaking amazing. It was so powerful and she was in Switzerland doing these tuning forks over my body and telling me things, telling me things about held in my energetic field because it's not just what we picked up. We could be carrying generational things, things from ancestors many, many years ago in our energetic field, which is why we might not be able to break through, through from things. And something that this may get a bit crazy for you, but <sighs> something that was stuck with me is that, my dad was in World War II, and I know that he was really scared on the D-Day landings. My dad was a man's man, right? But when he was really ill at one point, he was like crying to my sister, talking about how scared he was during the D-Day landings. And I keep, I kept like thinking, there's something in my energy, there's something from my father's past that's keep. It just every time I'd feel stuck, I'd be like, there's something in my energy there, and so. This, this is no word of a lie. My dad was old enough to be my granddad. I was born when he was 45, so he, you know, he was an older dad. So she's doing this tuning forks on me, and she's like, she said, there's, there's an older man. She said he's like a, a grandfather. She looks like a grandfather, she said, but he's really scared. He's a soldier, and he's really scared. And I was like, oh, my God. And she's like, that's, that's in your energy. And she, So she cleared all that. And when I came out of that, I was just like, oh, my God, I feel like a new person. So it wasn't just that that she cleared, but that was one of the things that she picked up on, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, that's 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 amazing. If you don't have that that story about your dad, like to to show you that, you you'd sit there and think, "Well, that's that's not true." Like how she can do that, but because that resonates with you, yeah. all of a sudden they can. Yeah. So was you in Switzerland, or was she in Switzerland? You was over here. She was in Switzerland. I was here. This this was just like four days ago. I had this. I had this treatment done because I was yeah. like, wow, because people say to me, how do you do hypnosis over the Internet? But I'm like, it's it's easy They're you know, they're in their home. I'm in my home and makes sense. But with the sound thing, I'm like, well, can the sound thing work? So I read up on a little bit. I had some really amazing feedback from people that I know, like and trust. So I was like, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. I'm in. <laughs> I'm like you, Frankie. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm game for that. I like, try and shop, I like see the what sound happens. of it. Yeah, yeah, I like the sound of it. Uh, and so, you know, I trusted it was going to work, and I trusted the woman who was doing it. And it was, it was just an incredible experience. So straight away, I was like, can you teach me how to do what you do? She's like, yeah. So I'm booked in for early in the new year to learn that. Really? But as I was saying, like, there's all different ways that we can find our way to enlightenment, and it's finding your roots. Some people practice something called Reiki. Some will just be, you know, do straightforward coaching. Some will, you know, there's all different ways to do it. And this is like, this is where I believe we find our people, that the people who hear me and want to engage with me, there's something about how I'm delivering that message that connects with them at a soul level, because 
you know, I used to I used to think we just lived in a 3D world, but now I truly believe that we're souls having a human experience, not the other way around. Mm. You know, we don't we don't discover being spirit. We we are spirit having a human experience, and we finally recognize one day that we are <laughs> just souls having a human experience. So the people who find me are the people who I'm supposed to facilitate that change for them. Mm. And then there's going to be people who are much more evolved than me that I'm going to turn to and go, how like the woman the other day, I'm like, oh, this is a whole new level. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Like 24 hours later, I'm like, how, how do I learn this? Because I just knew it was going to be my next level of what I need to know. Um, but there's many different ways to, you know, so crystals being one of them. Crystals are really interesting. I don't know that much, but it's it's a fascinating area. So, again, I'm, apologies if I'm not asking the right questions, because I'm just opening up to all this myself as well. So I'm, I'm trying to prod and get the best, yeah, yeah, best yeah, questions. Yeah. But So for me, my route into being more spiritual was crystals. And it was just because I was thinking if everything's energy, we let off energy, we receive energy. Yeah. Things must harbour energy as well. And I, and I use this example. If you're looking for a house and you go into one house and you get really bad energy from it, you don't like it. Yeah. You, it could be beautiful, but just, there's something not right about the energy yeah. of that house. It just doesn't fit you as a yes. person. That house will always be sold. Someone will buy that house. Yes. Someone's finding good energy in that house, but that's not so in your energy. Yes. But then you go into another house and you absolutely fall in love with it straight away. Yeah. So I thought if that can happen with houses which people live in and they release their energies in, into that house, which I'm assuming that's where the, the house gets the energy from, crystals must be able to, well, or everything must be able to hold energy as well. So then that's when I started looking at crystals and learning about crystals. Mm. And then that's when, I, obviously, I didn't know about the, the spoons or anything like that, but I was thinking about doing Reiki because I thought now for Amazing, me, I'm yeah. sort of like, very 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 start of this journey yeah 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 but like sort of kind of trying to understand more so listening to you as well is, is opening me up yeah ten, tenfold to be honest with you yeah amazing but, um yeah i think it's just i think it's incredible i also i also wonder why as a society we're now moving into that way of thinking a lot more but as you said when you started coaching it weren't really a thing in in the late 90s yeah my old man same as same as your daddy he was a lot older he was in his 50s when he had me so yeah 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 um he is not a spiritual person in the slightest. Yes, yeah. Used to be very religious, um, because yeah. we're an Italian family, but not spiritually at all. Like to him, that's sort of witchcraft type thing, if you yes, know what I mean. Yeah. Even my older brothers, my my brothers are in in their forties, and they are they wouldn't even look at it as a kind of thing because of the the way they or the era they got brought up in. Yes. But we're kind of moving into a time now where I think people are more open to it. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that is? Is it stronger now? Or? I do. I do think we are moving into like an age of enlightenment where there are more people who are being switched on to, to things mm. like this, like recognizing that we are multi-dimensional beings. That we're not. This it is not just this three-dimensional world. That we we have, like consciousness is is. Uh, I'm learning more and more about consciousness. I'm not going to. Uh, it claims to be any kind of authority on it, but learning about our consciousness and tapping into higher levels of consciousness. And it all is about frequency. Everything's about frequency. The interesting thing, the only thing I real, not the only thing, but one of the key things I know about crystals is that the crystal holds a frequency. And you probably know this, that mm. each crystal has its own frequency, which is why it kind of neutralizes you when you're 
when you're using them because it it brings you it brings your frequency in line it sort of balances the frequency out so yeah. but why why do you think we're moving into that sort of enlightenment age like what what has got us there I think that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I, I do think it's a whole nother yeah. conversation because I think the state, like everything that we've just been through in the world, I'm not even going to talk about. I think that it really is a whole nother conversation because I think there is a, a light and dark. You know, I think it's not just about borders. I think there's a light and dark, like mm. forces, which is is a really big conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are people who see the light and are moving towards the light. I know it sounds ridiculous and airy-fairy, and some people will be listening and think, what the hell is she talking about? But I do think that, you know, you're, you're, being, swi you're being switched on. There's no accidents. There are no accidents. Everything is happening exactly as it's meant to happen. At least that's what I believe. So you are here now, and you're doing this podcast, and you've, you've switched on to some spiritual parts of yourself. And, you know, you're a leader in what you do, Frankie. You know, you, you stand out from the crowd because you always try different things and you're, you know, he's game to do things. So, you know, perhaps part of your role is to inspire other men who might not think like that to, to be open to that, mm. you know. And you're, it's teaching men to get on that path of enlightenment because as a woman, women tend to be more in touch with their emotions and it's, socially acceptable for us to be in touch with our emotions but men it's it's been less um acceptable to do so but there is a a rising a rising awareness that men are emotional beings too and men can have a spiritual side and maybe your job is to be yeah i think i think for me as i said like my my old man was very like yours though the manly man um i i remember cutting my science play ice hockey when i was about nine I tried to wipe the ice off my skate, cut my fingers, not slice them right open, but yeah. I cut my fingers. As a nine-year-old, it's yeah, quite yeah. painful. Yeah. I looked at my daddy, went, you're not going to get any sympathy from me. <laughs> and then, like, my whole life was that. Like, my, my missus, now she says, like, you've got to, like, be more emotional. I, I really, really struggle showing weak. I, I think I felt like showing sad emotions or depressing emotions and things yeah. like that was a big weakness. And you've got to be strong all the time. Yeah, You're the protector. Yeah, yeah. And I'm naturally a protective person as well. I'm, I'm naturally a protector to people I sure. care for. So my path is not maybe so much being more emotional where I sit there and cry every day. Because <laughs> I don't. And I'll, I'll probably never will. But my path is to understand the emotion. So when I do get upset, yeah. rather than thinking this is weak, thinking why I'm upset. And then trying to understand yes, how yeah. to come out of that yes and as you said I, I, I for me it's been a hard path um and it's still a journey what as you said you're always on that journey you're always learning but i think you hit it now on the head as well i do want to help other people as well because mm. there's a lot of other people who come from either similar sort of upbringings and my dad my dad was unbelievable by the way like my dad was the best dad I could ever ask for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just very, very strong. Sure. Emotionally per, yeah. like emotional per, strong. What's the right? What, what was I saying? He never showed emotions. I yes. very like always showed strength. Yeah. Um. So I wanna, I wanna help as many people as I can in that sense. Which sounds a bit silly because I'm still only learning myself. 
But I feel like while I'm on this journey, I can sort of see and help other people mm-hmm. along that journey as well. And then that in turn helps me. Yeah. Yes. And you only need to know a little bit more than someone else. I get when I learn new information, I'm just like, everybody needs to know about this. Yeah. And I've only just learned it myself. But the more I talk about it, the more it solidifies it for me. And then it moves me up to the next level. And yeah. then I'm bringing other people with me as well, because I'm like, guys, if you didn't know this, you need to know it now. Yeah. <laughs> so they come along for the journey. So that like, give yourself full permission to just keep, you know, yeah. keep acting like that. Like you learn something, share it, learn something, share it, because yeah. it, you just, you elevate yourself. And it's not just about elevating yourself, but you're elevating them as well along the way. I also think this podcast helps. And because again, men don't talk to each other. We, yeah. don't, we don't talk at all. I can sit there with one of my mates for an hour and we won't have a deep conversation. Yeah. It will just be taking the mick out of each other for an hour. Yes. But something about when you, you're doing a podcast, it gets people talking about mm. different things. And then you, you start having them more in-depth conversations. And I think the, the age of podcasts for me, I think such a big revolution for men mm. to help with men grow and, and, and learn and experience like everything else. Because... You do sit there and talk. Like, so I listen to Joe Rogan a lot. And I love Joe Rogan. And the way he sits there and like, people open up and he opens up about his yeah. things. And, and you sit there and you think, like, people don't normally do that. Like, men don't normally do that. Women yeah. have, like, their little close friends where they can yeah. sit there and yeah. open up. And that's, like, unbelievable for women. I think that's that's something what women have absolutely nailed over the years. What men yeah. are just maybe not emotionally capable of doing at the moment. But yeah, I think it's it's just that it's it's getting a conversation. It's just talking and then opening people up that way and opening yeah. yourself up and allow, as you said, allowing yourself to open up. And it's, we're going through that stage now where people are opening up more, aren't they? Yeah, no, I agree. I had a, a nice conversation with someone the other day on a podcast talking about a, a man who does a lot of coaching work, and I think there is a real movement. <clears throat> pardon me, towards men opening up more and it's 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 important and I really honor you for stepping up and following you know your passion project to make this happen and to explore these these topics and bring it to a wider audience as well appreciate it thank you um so do you want to tell me a bit more about what you're doing at the moment so if you're doing the hypnotist hypnotizing you're gonna learn the the, the folks uh, <laughs> well she got, I know yeah. you got I, so I do I still do like I still do my business coaching primarily with with women uh I, I as I said at the start I feel like I've got like x-ray vision into people's like I get them and then once they've had like a hypnotherapy session with me so I do, my hypnotherapy my hypnosis session is probably my my key thing because it makes such a huge transformation uh, and then we move on and we just do business, help them build their businesses online, help them become more visible. And I seem to just have like, you know, just the right, the right turn of the key at the right time to, to help them to the next, the next step, because sometimes that's all we need. So I'm doing a lot of mentoring with women in business as well. Nice. And how, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, my website is denisemortimer.com or they can always email me at denise at denisemortimer.com. Have you got Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I'm Denise. Oh, Denise Mortimer underscore one two. <laughs> so I follow your Instagram, and you actually put something the other day. Funny enough, and I've been doing it every day since. It was the the tapping. Oh, okay. And cool. I, I've I've been doing that, 
Amazing. I don't remember it. Or I have to. I have to literally copy you as, uh-huh. you're, as you're doing yeah. it. But I've saved it, and literally every day, every morning now, and I have a <laughs> I morning coffee. Um, and uh, Will, have you seen Will Polson's um, uh, supplement? He, he's now bought. Yes. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So I take that with my morning coffee and do your tapping thing Amazing. every morning. Amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, everybody go and follow Denise. Um, I think you're brilliant at what you do. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up, I ask everybody this. And the reason I ask it is because I'm obsessed with films. I love films. That's, that's where I want to be. I always try and work out is the films we watch when we're younger and our favourite films, are they what shape us into who we are? Or are the films, um, are we already that way inclined and that's why we gravitate towards films? So what are your three favourite films? The Wizard of Oz. The Truman Show, as an adult, The Truman Show. And I would, as a child, it used to be The Ten Commandments, but I watched it recently, and um, and I just laughed at it. I was like, oh, my God. But The Wizard of Oz yeah. is number one. Perfect. Number one. Because you know what? Now what I know is that we're all on a journey to find something, and it's always within us. Yeah. That's exactly what happens in The Wizard of Oz. And she breaks through. Yeah. She breaks through. Yeah. Perfect. Thank Amazing. you, Denise. Thanks Thank for your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.